Well, this is called Why We Stayed. If you're here, stay. Well, welcome back to the Why We Stayed podcast. Man, if you guys are just tuning in or you haven't heard any of our podcasts, I would encourage you to go back. Uh, we are uh, enjoying our time here. And, and man, today already, I, I feel like I've already had a pre-podcast before this even started just with the amount of excitement and expectation for what's to come during this episode. But before I get into that, I do want to just take a moment to highlight the Youth Ministry Podcast Network that we're a part of. There's so many great podcasts out there, especially within our Youth Ministry Podcast Network that I want to encourage you guys to go check out. Uh, also, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, please do. It's why we stayed, all one word. We love doing giveaways and all sorts of fun things, but follow us along on the journey. We'd love to have you a part. Now, uh, without further ado, I just want to take a moment to introduce and to welcome uh, a good friend of mine who way back in the day used to uh, intern and, and serve at the, at the same church that I worked at, and certainly he's gone on to do bigger and better things that continue to impact people everywhere. But I want to welcome to the podcast, Greg Coles. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, dude, I am so happy to have you. And, and truth be told, Greg and I were scheduled to uh, have our podcast session last week, and something happened where uh, it's called I didn't put it in my calendar, and uh, and so Greg has grace for me. He's a loving friend, and I thank you, Greg, for choosing to remain faithful to the podcast episode. Thank you, sir. Oh, it's been my honor. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, Greg, why don't you just give us a quick rundown of who is Greg Coles? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you grow up kind of in in more of a, uh, I guess, a non-Christian home? Maybe just give us a little bit of your background. Yeah. So I was born in Potsdam, which is like very upstate New York. Like you basically have to go to Canada to get there. I was born there. And then when I was three, my family moved to Indonesia. Uh, so I spent uh, my growing up years between three and 18 until I came back for college. I lived in Indonesia. Uh, I did grow up in a Christian home and uh, parents love Jesus, still love Jesus. So that was that was a big part of my journey. Um, but another big part of my journey was, of course, uh, coming to grips with my experience of sexuality in the midst of that Christian space. Wow, that's and 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 of course that's certainly where we're going to take uh, a a good chunk of this conversation. Um, you know, for those that are that are, that are listening, uh, you you wrote a book, Greg, that was so profound, and hopefully uh, we're going to be able to give away a copy on our Instagram page and all that fun stuff after this. But the book title is this: Single Gay Christian: A Personal Journey of Faith and Sexual Identity. Maybe just share uh, what caused you to want to write this book in the first place. Yeah, so really the book was kind of an accident, to be honest with you. I uh, I was working on a different writing project. Uh, it was supposed to be a novel. And so I kept sort of working on this novel and sending bits of it to my agent. And my agent would read it and he would say, you know, you're a fine writer, but this feels really stiff. He said, it feels like you're trying to say something, but you, you're never coming right out and saying it. And so what he told me, he gave me like some sound writerly advice. He said, what you need to do is go back to the Word document, open up a blank document, and just write whatever comes out of you for a little while. And I was like, this is, this is good writing advice. So I sat down, uh, and I began to write some of the things that I'd been processing in my own heart around that time. And uh, the more I wrote, the more seemed to keep coming out of me. 
until eventually I looked at the manuscript and I was like, oh, wow, I think I kind of accidentally wrote a book here. So initially I had no intention of publishing this thing. Um, but the longer I sat with it and the more I kind of prayed about it, I shared it with a few people uh, and just kind of tried to think through, hey, what would it look like to sort of just obediently surrender this bit of writing to Jesus? And ultimately that wow. process led me to get it published. Wow. wow. Well, well, I, again, again I'm, I'm sure for, for, for many people listening, maybe that have a, a topic that they write about or maybe a topic that they sing about or that they blog about or post about, maybe it's a little bit easier uh, for them to do that. that. Uh, but certainly this topic is not something that is so easily talked about, specifically within the church. Maybe share a little bit, Greg, about, and again, don't give away the full book, of course, but but maybe share a little bit about what was it like as you were growing up and, and this, this this thing or this thought or these feelings, they didn't seem to go away. Just, just maybe explain a little bit of what that was like. Well, I remember when I was in middle school, uh, when I started going to youth group, I remember they would do this thing in youth group where whenever they wanted to talk about sex, they would split the boys and the girls up. And I don't know what they were telling the girls, but when they would get the boys together, <laughs> they would tell us something along the lines of like, look, boys. We know that you're all going to want to look at pictures of naked women, but, but don't do it. And, and at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, like, no looking at pictures of naked women. You know, I'm on it. Uh, and I found out that I was actually <laughs> yeah. really remarkably good at not looking at pictures of naked women. And I felt really <laughs> yeah. good about myself for a little while. Like, I felt like I was, like, the holiest 12-year-old in the world. <laughs> and, 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 but then when I began to realize oh, wait, I actually do kind of have an experience of sexuality. I actually am attracted to people. I'm just not having the experience that I was sort of trained to expect. Then I, I, re I suddenly went from feeling like, oh, I might be the holiest 12-year-old in the world to thinking, on second thought, maybe I'm like the least holy 12-year-old in the world. Like I am somehow the one who's so awful that nobody even bothered to mention to me that I might exist. Hmm. Greg, let me let me kind of take that a little bit deeper because I I did not grow up in church, but I certainly have been around the church long enough to know that the topic of same-sex attraction, uh, the topic of homosexuality, the topic of bisexuality, just sexuality in general, uh, you hit the nail right on the head when you said that we typically look at it and talk about it in the lens of what I would call almost biblical times as opposed to the lens of today's world. Um, which again, I we could dig deeper that it certainly is included in biblical times, but I'll but I'll stay here for the sake of the podcast. But I, the, there is this this reality that you had to face, where again, certainly you went from being what you felt like was the holiest one to now, oh my gosh, I am the least of these. I am I am the worst of the worst. What was that like when you felt like your experiences, your feelings, your emotions? were flawed. What did that feel like for you? I think initially, uh, I assumed that because I had discovered this flaw, that it must mean that I needed to sort of get things right with God. Um, yeah. And so, so what I, what I would try to do is, you know, I would, I would, I would pray and I would, and I would try and I would hope. Uh, and I started to kind of try to measure the state of my spiritual life on the basis of how straight I felt. Um, because I kept hearing these, these stories to the degree that I heard any stories about people who were gay or same-sex attracted. The stories that I heard seemed to be something along the lines of, 
oh, that was who I used to be. You know, this was an experience I had a while ago. And then I met Jesus, and now I'm now I'm better. Now I'm fixed. And so I sort of assumed this must mean there's there's something wrong with me spiritually. And as soon as I figure out what it is, as soon as I can fix it, then I'm sure this experience will go away. Then I'll be sort of straight like I'm supposed to be. And and wow. so the, the the more I sort of tried to do that, um, the more I felt like it seemed like I was in love with Jesus, and yet I wasn't getting any straighter. And so I began to wonder like. Is this thing all fake? Like maybe everything I've heard is a lie. I remember, I remember this one specific moment um, w- when I was trying to sort of measure my spiritual life according to my straightness. I remember that this one time I saw this picture of a scantily clad woman somewhere. I don't remember where. And I remember thinking, you know, I've heard that I'm supposed to like feel things about this picture. Like if I were straight, I would like want to lust after this picture or something. And sure, sure. This, by the way, is not like a recommendation. This, don't try this at home, kids. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but at the time, I was like, that must mean that, like, if I loved Jesus more, I would, like, lust after this picture, I guess. So I remember, like, looking at the picture and being like, I'm going for it. Like, I'm trying to feel things about the picture. And, you know, for all the good it did, I might as well have been staring at, like, an office supplies poster. <laughs> but, but there was this conviction in my heart at the time, like, that if I really loved Jesus, if I prayed sufficiently, if I believed sufficiently, wow. that I would experience this kind of change in my attraction that just never seemed to happen. Certainly, Greg, we get so many different people that listen to this podcast, but but we certainly get a ton of what I would call kind of a Christian audience. What would you say for someone that's listening right now that immediately when they heard or they saw the topic of this podcast or whatever it is, that they actually came to this podcast looking for fault. They came to this podcast trying to point fingers and trying to say, why would you guys even talk about this? How how dare you even go through this? What was it like for you? Because again, you hear this phrase all the time, especially in Christian culture, where it's like, well, you're not born with that. You're you're just taught that. Or maybe there was a, a really difficult experience in your upbringing. And so now this is just simply how you're trying to uh, run away from this experience. Maybe share um, what your thoughts are about that statement, that you're, you're not born with it. That's not possible. Maybe share a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, people will often ask me if what I think is is the cause of my experience of sexuality like are you are you saying that you were born gay cold um or uh or they'll sort of want to figure out like what the thing is in my life that has gone wrong um but I think sometimes when we get so fixated on like what has gone wrong that has caused gay or same-sex attracted people to have this fallen experience of sexuality I think we sometimes miss that actually uh, straight people, no offense to the straight people listening here, but straight people actually also have a fallen experience of sexuality. And, and here's Correct. what I mean by that, that, that in, in, in God's original design for humankind, uh, if God's vision is like, hey, sexuality uh, is reserved for the marriage context that is between one man and one woman, if that's God's original design, then the fact that uh, that many people experience a heterosexual orientation where you have the capacity to just kind of lust willy nilly after like any, you know, any person of the opposite sex, not just, yep. oh, I experience sexual desire for the one person I'm married to. Um, yep. what that suggests to me is that that is a, 
it's, it's a fallen experience of sexuality. It's what theologians call post-lapsarian, which means it happens after the fall of humankind. Um, and I think in the same way, I would say that my experience of sexuality is also fallen. It is also post-lapsarian. Um, but I think at the same time, for all of us, whether we're straight or we're gay or whatever else we are calling it or whatever else we're experiencing, we all, as well as bearing the marks of the fall, we also bear the, the fingerprints of a God who put us together and was like, oh, that is very good. Um, and so I think the, the, the question I think for all of us to grapple with is, what does it look like to live into the goodness that God has designed us for, even while we recognize in our current state after the fall, we're always going to also wrestle with things that we're called to say no to as followers of Jesus. Wow. Greg, Greg, I think it is so good what you're saying saying because because it's it's so easy. And again, again, this is, I mean, this is is elementary elementary Christianity, but it's, you, you're, you're trying, trying to get, get the, the little toothpick out of the person's eye. You're trying to get the little piece out of it. And you got this huge thing that is blocking your, your vision. vision. And, and I think mm, it's 2019. It's, it's almost 2020. And I, and I don't say that in a way to say, oh, let's just, let's do whatever the heck we want to do. And there's grace. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But I do think that if tradition trumps relationship, what is the point? Of, of Jesus, Jesus dying, dying on the cross. On the cross. That, that if, yeah. if, if if we are fighting for tradition instead of fighting to love people, people what is the point? I certainly don't want to be a part of it. it. And, and that has that nothing to do with my sexuality. sexuality. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> that, that, that that has to do with my humanity. humanity. That has that to do with 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 me loving my neighbor as myself. And again, it just not to get all riled up, but it begs the question: What are we more concerned about, loving our neighbor or pointing out the faults in our neighbor? Because it is just as you shared with this constant, you know, early on in our in everyone's Christian journey, it's this constant um, assessment period, right? It's like you want to get a report card back from God: Am I doing well? Am I making improvements? Am I at Christianity level 2.0 yet? Have I gotten my iOS upgrade for heaven yet? I mean, we. We, 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 we constantly want to move to that next level of faith, and yet Christ continues to just daily call us to pick, us, to pick up our cross or to daily uh, just simply love God and to love people and to continue to move forward in that journey. And again, for those listening that maybe are gay or those that are listening that maybe have struggled with, what, what do I believe and, and am, am I wrong for feeling these things? I mean, what, what advice would you have for a young person who is gay? or who, or who is, is trying, trying to figure, to figure out, out their sexuality, sexuality. What, what advice might you have on this, this, this weird tension, tension between can I be a Christian and can I be gay? gay. What, what, what might you say to that? The first thing I would say is I think so many of us have heard messages somewhere, whether it's a church that you've been a part of or whether it's something that you've seen in media somewhere, um, but so many of us have heard these messages that say, it's impossible to be gay and also be a Christian. It's impossible to be gay and love Jesus. And so I think the the first thing that any of us need to do in that position is is just recognize, no, it, 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 regardless of your experience of sexuality, regardless of how your sexual attraction is working, all of us are invited into the, the wild journey of following Jesus. Uh, and, there, and there's nobody who's disqualified on the basis of any of the cards that they've been dealt. Uh, and that's not just in the realm of sexuality, certainly, but it definitely includes 
all of us, regardless of how we experience our sexuality, we're invited into Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think the the second question that we that we grapple with then once we say like it is it is totally possible we're totally welcomed in uh, it's only once we really believe that once we get that deep inside our hearts that I think we can then start to ask the second question we need to grapple with which is when I do choose to follow Jesus what is that going to mean for my sexuality how do, how am I called to steward my sexuality if I do decide to be a person who follows Jesus. But I think before we can even start asking that question, we first have to know I am loved by God, I am welcomed into the family of God. Uh, and and I think once we once we get those things deep in our hearts, then maybe we're finally start to gra- uh, we're finally ready to start to grapple with the question of what is it going to look like for me then to follow Jesus faithfully. Mm. Greg, I, I will never forget. I, I ran a Bible study in college and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, obviously, still still don't. And uh, there there was a kid. Uh, I was a freshman. So what was what that? 18. And I came to Christ at 17. So for those listening, I, I began to go to church, began following Jesus at the age of 17. And so what is the first thing I do? Oh, cool. Well, let me let me start a little Bible group on my college campus and let's see how this goes. Now, again, I did not know what I was doing. And uh, this kid came up to me and he asked me, he goes, uh, he goes, if someone murders someone and they ask for forgiveness, will God forgive them? And I go, yeah. If they believe it in their heart and they ask for forgiveness, yeah. And, and the person goes, well, what if they murder another person and then they come back to God and they ask for forgiveness? And I go, geez, I, are, well, first off, like, are, are you okay? Like, is everything good? Um, but, but, but I'm like, well, yeah, like I think I, 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 I think so. Like, I think that, you know, there's, there's forgiveness, like God has forgiveness there. And he kind of went through this like slew of questions. I don't remember every question that he asked, but what he was doing is he was asking these questions to ultimately get to this final question where he asked me, he said, uh, do you think it's okay to be gay? And uh, he, he began to share with me that he was in fact gay. And here I am. I know nothing about theology. I know barely anything about the Bible. But I had an encounter with a God who met me where I was, and he loved me, and he chose me, and he called me. And there was this moment where I just kind of felt like, man, what, what do I say? Like, what advice do I give? And all I could do was go back to my experience of being lost and broken. And, and I just simply spoke, and this is what I said. I said, you know, I feel like God has called every single one of us. He's hand-knit us in our mother's womb, as our Bible says. And if God made you, then I believe if you pursue him with the fullness that is in your heart, I believe that he will lead you to what is right, to what is true. And if, if you are going in a direction that is opposing him, that is not the way that the makeup of, of you know, the direction that God has called you to do, then I believe there's, there's conviction and the Holy Spirit is, is attached to your life. And you will feel that leading and that guiding and that conviction. And I would almost regurgitate that exact same thing. <laughs> that, 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 that here I sit where I go, if we really believe that God did make every single one of us, then let each person individually pursue God. Now that does not mean I have my truth and you have you, your truth and go pursue your own truth. I, I, I don't agree with the whole like, your truth thing because then there's no truth um but but what i'm saying is if god is god and we and we believe that then 
let every single person journey with him take and receive daily bread from from him uh, that is the kind of God that I serve that I need in my faith journey and I believe we should give that permission for others instead of putting up barriers that they got to jump through allow them the same permission and the same grace that we've been given ourselves and and so again I I, I say all that long long-winded stuff um, be you know because I I sit here Greg and I I can't empathize with you in a same-sex attraction, but I can empathize with you in what it feels like to uh, to see friends, really good friends, that have one difference than me, and it's who they're attracted to, and I've seen them banished, and I've seen them rejected, I've seen them sit home alone, or sorry, I haven't seen them, I've heard them share stories with me about being home alone, sitting in their bed, looking at the ceiling, and wondering, what is wrong with me? Maybe share, if there's if there's people listening, maybe share some of those types of experience that you had, whether early on, whether now, still. Uh, what are, what do you do in those moments where even even when just words fail you and, and you are there with your thoughts and your processing, what advice might you have on how to get through those moments? You know, for me, uh, a lot of those moments uh, came, especially when I was younger, but I'm still reminded of them now every once in a while, um, when um, people would predict for me the, the, the beautiful life that they thought I was going to have be- before I came out. Uh, and they would describe, uh, you know, how, how they expected me to get married and they would want to set me up with someone and they would ask me about my love life. And, uh, and, and, they, and they, they seemed to constantly want to communicate this idea to me that, as you mature and grow, you will inevitably be called to marriage, and it's going to be this glorious thing, and you just got to wait for it because it's going to be great. Um, and the the longer I sort of continued uh, in my experience of sexuality and began to realize, I think the thing the Lord is calling me to is, is to be single, um, the more alienating it began to feel when people would, would say to me, oh, yes, the Lord has the perfect person in mind for you, and you're going to have mind-blowing marital sex, and you will find so much fulfillment in your marital relationship. <laughs> yeah. uh, it just began to feel more and more isolating that, that this beautiful dream they wanted me to dream didn't seem to be mm-hmm. the, the dream that God had for me. And I think one of the things uh, that I've found really, really helpful in my own life uh, is to to begin to try to disentangle uh, the voices of uh, other people, especially church people, telling me what what God is saying. Uh, to disentangle those things from the actual voice of God. Sometimes certainly God speaks through other people, and and it's beautiful. And sometimes and we absolutely do need to listen to what our Christian brothers and sisters uh, say. Um, but there are times when we hear these messages from people around us. And we start to confuse them with what God is actually saying to us. And so one of the things that I found myself hearing as people kept telling me, oh, yeah, you're going to get married. You have to get married. You should get married. Uh, I began to hear, as long as you're single, you're, you're always going to be kind of a second-class citizen in the church. You're going to be a second-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and and, and it, it took me sort of putting the brakes on that and going back to Jesus and saying, wait, is this actually true? Like, Am I going to be a second-class citizen if I stay single? To which Jesus said, well, I was single, which I thought was a good <laughs> point on his part. Uh, but but it, it was really important to, to disentangle, hey, sometimes I'm going to hear things from people, whether this is what they mean to say to me or not. 
that are going to sound and feel really condemnatory. Um, mm. But it's important to not confuse those things with with what it is that Jesus says about me. Um, and wow. Jesus says uh, not just that I'm that I'm beautifully made and put together, uh, but also that He has good plans for me for my life. Yeah. Um, that obedience to Him is going to be worth it. Uh, and 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 the more I the more I lean into those truths, the more the more the condemnation that I hear from outside uh, doesn't stick to me anymore. It just brushes off. Hmm. So, Greg, where where are you at today? Because again, we we talk about upbringing. We talk about kind of this moment of of realizing, okay, this is where I'm at, and this is this is who I'm attracted to, and this is kind of the the stance and the and and the decisions that I'm going to make moving forward. I mean, where are you at today? Are you are you choosing to actively date uh, men? Are you are you at a place where you are uh, choosing to uh, just kind of hold off for a little bit, or or have you made a full decision to say I'm 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 going to remain celibate, or where where do you find yourself in this current journey? Yeah. Uh, so before I before I spoil the the very tale, and I'll give you just a bit of my getting there. Um, after after maybe about ten years of trying really hard to be straight and realizing I'm not sure this is the way God is leading me, uh, I spent a, about a year or two really digging deeply into some of the debates over what the Bible had to say about sexual ethics. Like, is it saying this? Is it saying that? And I found that it was complicated, um, but I did eventually decide that there was a best answer in the text. Um, and so what I concluded was that, uh, that really I, I had two options available to me uh, as, as a follower of Jesus, uh, that I could pursue opposite-sex marriage or that I could pursue uh, singleness and celibacy. And based on my experience of sexuality, I wasn't particularly drawn to an opposite-sex <laughs> marriage. I didn't think that would be particularly fair to my future prospective wife. And I also... The more time I spent in the Bible, the more I became convinced, you know, I think the Bible is really excited about the idea of celibacy. It really paints this beautiful picture of what we can do uh, as we participate in the work of the kingdom of God uh, as single people. And so, yeah, so, so I reached that, that conclusion. It was probably, let me think, I'm 29 now, and I was probably 23 or 24 when I was sort of landing fairly confidently in that camp. Wow. So I've spent five or six years now living out of that confidence. And I think the, mm. the longer I, I've lived there, the more excited I get about it. Like when I first got there, I felt sort of angsty about it. Like I was a little disappointed in God. I was like, there were so many better options for you. You could have made me straight. You could have let me conclude I was allowed to date guys because that would be fun. I was like, you had so right. many great choices and you went with this one. Uh, so I was initially not enthused, but but the longer I've the longer I've uh, lived uh, in this kind of position, the the more I've found so much to rejoice in about it. Um, so many opportunities that exist uh, to me as a as a single person, so much freedom. Uh, there's a lot of joy in it, which is not to say that it's not challenging sometimes, um, sure. but sometimes the challenging things turn out to be the most beautiful ones. Sure. Well, Greg, I, I, I appreciate your honesty, too. And I mean, you know, again, as, as you speak, it's like I think about the fact that it is 2019, it is 2020. You can't go to Twitter or Facebook or anywhere 
and not see something in your face of a same-sex marriage or, um, you know, I, I have people within my own family that have their own kids and, and, and they have lived what I would call uh, a, a solid same-sex marriage with a family and with, you know, some of the amenities that maybe historically you weren't able to get. I mean, how do you stay true to the decision that you made even in the midst of what I would call this constant uh, temptation or this constant um, kind of knocking at the door uh, of, of the potential that's kind of out there? I think for me, the thing that's been most helpful uh, is, is not looking at how other people are choosing to live their lives and saying, oh, here's why I don't want that. Here's why that's bad. Um, not, not to focus on, on the negative of, of some other thing, but instead to say, what is the, what is the good and beautiful thing that I am called to? Uh, to, to, uh, not, not so much what is it that I'm missing out on, but rather, is it possible that the Lord has said no to me for certain things in order to allow me to say yes to some other things? Um, yeah. And, 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 and so, you know, what are, what are my opportunities to sort of dig deeply into, uh, into what we could call romance with Jesus? Sometimes people make fun of, uh, people who like talk about Jesus as my boyfriend or something like that, uh, that kind of romantic <laughs> language to talk about God. But I will say, as a celibate person, I take that kind of language very seriously when I think about my relationship to God, because there is a sense in which when we choose to be sort of permanently single for the foreseeable future, what we're saying is, hey, the, the, the whole devotion of my life and my time and my body, I want it all to be devoted to God. Uh, and, and there is something that's, that's almost, almost romantic about the, about the way that that works. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. Um, yeah. And so I think as I, as I really dwell on, on the beauty of that, uh, then it becomes to me more beautiful than anything else um, that I might say no to. So for me, it's less about what are the no's that I must say, and it's more about, hey, what are the things that I get to say yes to? Yeah. Wow. And as and as you speak, Greg, I think the, the, the final question that I really have for you is, it says in John 10.10, Jesus would say that I have come to give you life and life to the full. And there's other scripture, of course, that would say that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And when I think about the life that you've chosen, one of the questions that just keeps ringing in my ear is, despite yourself having to deny yourself daily, you, you are continuing every single day, whether it's with your book writing or it's just daily decisions that you're making, you are making decisions that are not natural decisions. What you would like to do naturally, you are actually saying no to so that you can continue to pursue Christ. And my question is, do you believe that you've experienced freedom, uh, that who the sun sets free is free indeed? Do you believe that you have experienced that fullness of your life and I've come to give you uh, life to the full? Do you feel like you have experienced that? I do. And and I, I think... Uh, one of, uh, there's, a, there's a writer who I love. Uh, his name is Rabindranath Tagore. Uh, and, and he says this. Uh, say they, say they that three times fast. Yes, Rabindranath Tagore. Uh, he said, uh, emancipation from the bondage of the soil is no freedom for the tree. 
uh, let me say that again because it's kind of, you know, fancy words. Uh, emancipation from the bondage of the soil is no freedom for the tree. And what he means wow. by that is if you're a tree and you're actually designed to be rooted in something, you're designed to be planted in the soil, um, then the idea that you would get out of the soil in order to be free, the idea of the tree saying, I want to be free, therefore I'm going to uproot myself, uh, that's actually not the real freedom that you want. Um, and so actually, if you're a tree, if you're meant to be planted, then the only way that you get that freedom is by binding yourself to something. And I think for me, wow. there, there, there was a time in my life when I sort of held my options in hand and I said, I think I can pursue these other things that really feel like I like the things that I want in this moment. I can choose to pursue those things. But if I pursue those things, I, I think I'd be saying no to Jesus. And if I say yes to Jesus, I think I'd be saying no to some of these other things. And as I sort of held those options in my hand, I thought, in a way, both of them feel like freedom, and in a way, both of them feel like bondage. And so the question that I need to answer is, what's the thing that I'm meant to be rooted to? What's the thing that I'm meant to be bound to? Uh, and so my experience of following Jesus, though it's been complicated and it's been challenging at times, uh, my experience of it has been uh, that, that to be rooted to Jesus and to say the Bible describes us at one point as slaves to Christ, uh, slaves to righteousness. Um, uh, but but it, uh, because we choose to root ourselves in who Jesus is, then we're suddenly freed from all these other things uh, that would try to hold us down. Uh, and so I think that kind of freedom is is the freedom that I've found. Uh, and it's and it's glorious. It's complicated, but it's glorious. <laughs> That's awesome. So listen, if, if someone were to come up to you and they were to say, who is Greg Coles? Uh, certainly your book title has its own title. And, and of course, it's, it's, it's uh, what I would call risque and it draws people in. It's a brilliant title, of course. But, but if, if people were to say, who is Greg Coles, what would you say? Well, depending on the context, there are all kinds of biographical details that I could offer. I could tell them about how I shave <laughs> on Thursdays. I could, but Love I think when, when, when we get right down to the, right down to the heart of the matter, um, I, I really uh, want to be known as somebody who uh, loves and is loved by Jesus. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, all the other all the other biographical details about my life all all of my past experiences uh my sexuality so many other things um i want all of those things to be filtered by by that that central principle that i am i'm loved by jesus and and i love jesus um wow. and and i hope that i hope that those are the things that i communicate by my by my life by my words well greg if i if i could man if i could look you across in, in the eyes right now, if you were sitting here, uh, you know, at a, at a table and we were just having, having a drink together or whatever it was, I, I would just, I would say number one, thank you because as a listener tonight, and again, for all those that are listening, I just think your vulnerability, uh, is unmatched to, uh, many of the guests that I've had certainly have been incredible guests, but the topic that you're discussing, uh, is certainly something that people get nervous about. They get nervous about talking about, they get nervous about listening to, and many people feel that uh, if you're dealing with this or going through this, that you that you have something wrong with you, that there is a flaw in you. And you've debunked so much of that tonight just with a simple uh, few moments of just chatting with me. And I thank you for 
your willingness to share because out of your story, I believe that freedom is attainable for others to share their story. And I just want to thank you because I think, man, you're, uh, the, the way that you're living your life is you are pursuing truth instead of creating your own truth. And I think when you pursue truth, you find it. And I think that the way that, that Jesus says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you have pursued him, and you've loved him, and it shows with the words that you speak, it shows with the book that you wrote, and the life that you live. And so I just thank you, man, for, for being vulnerable tonight, uh, for being open and honest. And again, for any of those that are listening, uh, that maybe are, are going through similar thoughts or... Maybe you have friends or family that are that are in this and, and, and you want to love them more, love them better uh, throughout this process. I would encourage you guys to give Greg a follow, to, to buy his book, to just be a part of what God is doing in his life because I know he's the type of guy that won't just speak on a podcast, but I'm, I'm sure of it that he'd get on the phone with you or he'd shoot you a message and continue to encourage you along the way. So Greg, thanks so much again and again for all those listening. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time.